welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our everyday lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to try to address the question, did weather give us the United States? Now, before getting into the main topic, as always, I'd like to take a moment and say thank you for all of you who are providing support to the podcast. Some of you do it by helping keep us cost neutral at places like patreon.com slash weather, or you go over to whatisitabouttheweather.com and do the PayPal thing, or while you're there, maybe you hit whatisitabouttheweather.com slash support and look at other things you can do, like telling people about the podcast, providing us feedback, whatever it might be. Thank you for taking the time to help us, help me really, continue to bring you this podcast week in and week out. It takes a lot of effort, and I know I couldn't do it without you, so it is greatly appreciated. Now, you know we're in the middle of National Weather Podcast Month. Next episode, I'm going to really kind of go into it, right? I'm going to have some interview segments, the first time ever on the show, with a couple of other podcasters. And I'm going to go into each of the podcasts a little bit, just just to give you a flavor for what you might expect. Because I know if you've settled on this podcast, maybe not all of them are going to be your cup of tea. I do recommend trying them out at some point. But maybe we can talk a little bit about that. And again, get some thoughts from some other podcasters that I had a chance to meet at the AMS. You know, chat a little bit. Topics that are important to them. Again, give you a feel for things you might learn if you were listening to some of these other podcasts. Now, that Hurricane Heist movie's out. I didn't go see it. I didn't. Thought about it. And the reviews are not particularly good. I will I will watch it at some point. I may wait for a video based on what I'm seeing now. It sounds like the whole meteorology thing is a bit of a stretch by a long shot, by a very long shot. And maybe it was as much about being a car chase movie or a car movie, given it was done by somebody who's done some Fast and Furious stuff in the Triple X movies. It was Xander Cage. But as always, not as always, as usual, disappointed to hear that it's not very good. But, you know, that's the nature of things, right? My Weather Intertwined Week was mostly around transportation and specifically my car. I've been doing some stuff this week. Summer weather was really at play. We had a, a, a few storms that have been kind of running through the eastern U.S. And one of them had some pretty strong winds earlier the week in Atlanta. And I was going to pick up something from somebody and just trees blowing branches down all over the place. And it was just a reminder. You know, I, I've always wondered, and this is probably one of those things I should look up. Good pine tree lip. So a solid pine tree, no ice or anything. It, and it was above freezing, but it, a strong wind, yet it snapped the branch. And I, I know evergreens are evergreen. I get that. But I do wonder if maybe the way their sap flows in the winter changes enough to where the branches still are more brittle in the wintertime because it looked very alive. I mean, there were a lot of dead branches off trees or of dormant trees. But I was kind of caught off guard by this one more than anything else. But I had washer pumps go out on my car. It's an older car. I don't drive a new thing. I drive older kind of SUV thing. And you realize how much the weather impacts your windshield day in, day out. And I wanted to get that fixed before I got into bug season here in Atlanta. So took got that taken care of. But just, again, in and out of the weather quite a bit in my vehicle and, and reminded. 
And, you know, we've done some transportation-related stuff, even talked about tires, right? And the weather influences there. But it's hard to kind of go anywhere without weather having some sort of meaningful thing. You always hear the stories in the news, right? The big things, airports closed, all flights canceled or whatever. But you don't always necessarily hear about one car and the impact of weather on one car. But there's a lot of things out there. And when you're driving around in high winds or, you know, strong storms, I, I guess, you know, I was thankful to have a car that was working right because there were some people that, uh, wow, there were some people driving around bigger trucks as well that the winds were really tossing around. So I made it home safely, and that's a good thing. And hopefully most people made it home safely. Hopefully everybody made it home safely. But, you know, when, when big trucks are having to take two lanes just to make sure they stay within the two lanes, uh, it, it's pretty crazy out there. Any case, let's 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 jump into the main topic, if you will. You know, it's funny. Before I even do that, last week I noticed I was going to try to keep it shorter because I had kind of gone a little long the week before, and then when push came to shove, we got all the way to the end. And what had I done? I had, yeah, not, not really over, but kind of right there. So I may try to keep it a little shorter this week. But I'm getting into something that the feedback has generally been pretty positive on the episodes we've done it. But the way this story unfolds, there's not as much of a grand story to tell, so maybe maybe it'll keep itself shorter. But it's still interesting, I think. But before I jump into this specific topic of did weather give us the United States, you know, I mentioned that people have been really happy over time with this series. I've got a lot of positive feedback, so I wanted to run through the previous episodes that we've done on did weather change history or the ones related to that and just kind of point you in the right direction. So if you're new to the podcast, or even if you kind of came along in the, in the middle and you like the sort of history related ones, you can go back and listen. So the first one we did was weather that changed history. And it was about D day. We did that one back in May of, of 2016. I, I don't give episode numbers. And the reason I do that is because some of the different places only keep so many episodes. So putting numbers on it, doesn't always work out the same. So just look for that date. So if you go back to May 2016 date-wise, you should be able to find that one. Then we did, did weather cause the Black Death back in August of 2016? Is weather responsible for me speaking English? Where we talked about the demise of the Spanish Armada. <laughs> I guess that kind of answers the question, doesn't it? Um, back in December of 2016. Did weather change space exploration? We did that in March of 2017, so just over a year ago. Actually, right out a year. Did weather give us Mario Kart? We talked about some stuff in, in Asia back in June of 2017. Did history change weather? So we kind of flipped the, the table there and went at it from a different angle in September of last year. And then finally, we closed out the year of did weather give us the Statue of Liberty? Now, that ended up having nothing to do with the U.S. particularly. It was about France, right? and the rise of the Napoleon Empire. All those things, if you can't find them in the podcatcher of your choice, you can always go to the webpage. I put this kind of stuff in the show notes. Not always. I, I usually try to get there, but this time I have all the links handy, and I'm going to put them all in the show notes. So if any of those sound an interest to you and you haven't heard them before, go check them out. All right, so this whole idea of whether... And history being changed came from a friend of mine from many, many years ago. His name's Jack. And as with all things, I tend to do just first names on this thing, so I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed. But I really appreciated that because it has it was something I thought about before, but I really 
hadn't thought about it within the context of the podcast. And he gave me a few ideas, and I've run with a couple of those, and clearly I've, I've done some other ones as well. But the reason I bring it up is one of the other ones that he mentioned was one called the Punic Wars, and this really had to do with the Roman Empire. And I looked at that one, and I've looked at it a couple times trying to look at different angles, but he brought it up specifically because there was a key battle in there that had to do with fog. And Rome lost that battle, but they still won the war. And I couldn't really find an, a- an angle that said, well, you know, it provided the motivation Rome needed to do whatever, 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 to suggest that, you know, somehow in the end it was a pivotal thing in the course of, of a longer history, certainly a big war. And certainly the Romans were caught off guard. But in the end, they defeated the people who won that battle, if you will. Lots of lives lost, so certainly it changed some people's history. But whether it had a a meaningful impact given that, you know, the Roman Empire would go on for hundreds of years, it was a little harder to say. So I didn't go there. And actually, I'll mention again, and I've mentioned before, the History of Rome podcast. This was one that was done a while back, still available, still a great listen. If you love history, I highly recommend it. And what you may like about this guy, this guy actually types his notes that he's going to say, all of it. He types it all out before he does the podcast. I can't, I'd go nuts. I I don't think I'd get to do in a single podcast. Any case, like I said, the weather element was fog. And one of the things I've kept looking at, and even when I've looked at places where English has not been the primary language, I've tried to look for fog events because a lot of times... You know, I'm hoping that maybe I can find enough and maybe I can find something translated into English where it'll make sense. But fog to me is just kind of one of those neat weather things. And you can see and imagine how fog would play a role. Because there's all, you know, if, if you're in any area where fog is prevalent, you've probably experienced a, a scenario where fog is kind of providing that cover that you can imagine being very important in a wartime situation. Now, one of the other things that I've kind of been looking for over time, so that's the weather element I really wanted to get to, but the other thing I really wanted to get to was the U.S. in general. I mean, it's where I am, right? And and I did the whole space exploration thing, but that wasn't really so much in the context of U.S. history. A lot of these have been about truly historic events. And that one was, it was history, but it was more of a modern history. Now, one of the reasons I have a trouble with doing the U.S. history ones is because so many of these things have been portrayed in films from Hollywood that I've seen over the years, or TV shows even. And that, I have to imagine, has somehow clouded my mind with, what really happened? And I go and look, and maybe it didn't pan out. You know, and you can think of some of them are more fun. A movie like Sahara that was a Clive Cussler book with, you know, Dirk Pitt, and it's about Confederate gold being snuck away, you know, at the last minute as, as the Union soldiers were bearing down on them, and they got away in this ironclad ship that ends up in Africa. But they get away because of fog. Or even things like, you know, the the flip side of that is a book like, I, I don't know, National Treasure 2 with, with Nicolas Cage, but they talk about rain from a clear sky. I forget what the exact quote is, but, you know, you do hear these weather references and you see them, but I know that those ones aren't true. But you get into some of these things that are more of kind of historical fiction, and you do start to wonder 
how often the weather that is portrayed really has something to do with what was going on. So I've struggled a bit to find the right kind of U.S. history event. And, you know, I wanted to look through different things and find some things, and, and I came across some stuff. I was like, okay, maybe let, let's go to the start of the nation. Let, let's really look at the birth of the U.S. as it's known today. You know, where did it get its start? Was there something key in that? You know, there's some big documents, and I know that people, for all my international listeners, don't always understand the whole U.S. and, you know, our structure and all that and how we're the same and how we're different. But a lot of people will have heard about the Declaration of Independence. And it would put us at odds with the UK for a long time, even though they're, they're very close allies and friends today. But that was kind of a, this big event, you know, rising up against people that were ruling them that were far, far away, you know, generally speaking. And that would lead to the Revolutionary War or the American Revolution, whatever you want to call it. And so I was, I, I was looking at, you know, was there something interesting in there? And there's lots of key battles, and you hear about them all the time. And any of us who have been in U.S. history classes growing up, you know, names like Bunker Hill or Yorktown or Lexington or Concord or even places like Saratoga you know, or Valley Forge, some of these names mean more to some than others. History buffs will know all those names off the top of their head. But reality is, we've all probably heard some of those. Then you move on to maybe key people whose names you've heard. Paul Revere with the famous, the British coming, the British are coming, you know. Benjamin Franklin, maybe George Washington, other names like that. All well-known kind of big figures in American history. And one weather scene that's famous that always comes back to me with George Washington is the, this thing that there's a, a well-known painting of, of crossing the Delaware. And it's this scene of crossing this river with ice chunks in the river and stuff. Clearly it was cold. So clearly weather was at play. But, you know, was weather really at play? I mean, weather may have driven that thing. You know, it may have allowed the river to freeze up somewhat. And maybe it threw people off because they didn't think it was coming. But, I, you know, I, I looked at it and I was going, weather is a, I don't know, there was more to the story that seemed non-weathery. So I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't find anything there that really did it. And I kept, again, coming back to this fog thing. I was like, wonder if there's something with fog. But I also liked the idea of George Washington. It, and I, what I was hoping is George Washington would really give me something to work with. Now, there's a lot of talk about George Washington and whether he was just right place, right time, or if he was really all that plus some. Okay. But he was well known for setting up, for instance, the, the first spy network sort of thing. He was very much a non-traditional thinking person when it came to fighting. So kind of what we would come to know as guerrilla warfare or not standing in you know these big lines and shooting at each other in a civilized way, whatever that means. But looking at it a little differently. And, you know, if you've ever seen the movie uh, Patriot with Mel Gibson, you kind of see some of that flavor being carried out. But he is kind of respected as a thinker. Again, depends who you talk to, but most people would agree that George Washington, as an individual 
was kind of a key component to American history, both in its early days, being the first president, but also instrumental in the fact of why America, this newly declared group of, of states, territories, whatever you want to call it, since technically they weren't you know, states per se in, until they said they were, But until they made this declaration, until they went about this this battle, you know, Washington was sort of another person. Yet he would become the first president of the U.S. So it's kind of hard to write off that even if you don't think he was a brilliant military strategist and maybe he was some what right place, right time, it's kind of hard to completely dismiss what he brought to the war. And I saw many cases, and, and again, this stuff, we went into some of the stuff in some of the past things that we looked at, like with Napoleon and these opposing views about Napoleon and stuff. And I don't want to do that here other than to say that I'm, gonna, I'm walking into this situation with the belief that had George Washington not been a key role throughout the American Revolution, that there's a good chance that it would have gone the other way. Because we all have to make assumptions at some point, and that's the whole idea is did weather change history? Now, let's get back to the weather part, right? You, you didn't, I mean, that, that you know, brief look at, at American history. Yeah, there was a war. Yeah, America, you know, these colonies said, we want to be independent. King said, no, nah, <laughs> not going to have any of that. They said, uh, stick it, and we're going to go about this, and we're going to go to war with you. That's what happened. And we know the outcome, right? And there's always going to be, when you look at any historic event, like, like a war, you are going to see, and it was like the first one we did with D-Day. Was D-Day the only key moment? No, it wasn't the only key moment. Was it an important moment? Yes. So we're going to look at one that maybe wasn't as important from a battle standpoint, but maybe it was from an individual standpoint. And this works on the premise that George Washington was that important. Okay, so I'm going with he was all that plus some. But one of the things people don't kind of gets lost in things is a lot of what people think of as the American Revolution actually happened before the Declaration of Independence. This whole stuff in Boston and Bunker Hill and all that, a lot of that was pre-us saying, yeah, we're going for it. So the first major battle that would be fought after the Declaration of Independence would actually be in New York. New York Harbor area, very important strategic location. And after the success of Boston, the colony troops, the Continental Army, would move down to New York and try to set up. And they thought they were going to be okay. And then, and then the reinforcements came. The British kept coming and coming and coming. This time, there was no Paul Revere. You didn't need Paul Revere to tell you they were coming. They were coming. They were coming in mass, in very large quantities. Now, there was a lot of belief that the battle, kind of like in Boston, would the attack would essentially come from the sea. But the British kind of, you know, changed things up a little this time. And, and there's a place in New York, for those that aren't familiar, New York throws people off because everybody thinks of New York as New York City. But... I lived, for instance, in New York, but had nothing to do with New York City. That's what we call upstate New York or the state of New York. 
But there's a long thing that if you've ever seen a map of the U.S. that most people will know about. It's called Long Island. And it is. It's a long island that actually most of it doesn't sit all that close to New York. Most of it sits close to like Connecticut and, you know, out juts out into the ocean, if you will. But Brooklyn, you may have heard of, or King or Queens. And so, you, you know, you hear these other areas. And these other areas are kind of, you know, they're not all New York City. They are part of New York City, but everybody thinks of like Times Square. And there's so much more to even New York City, right, than just this little Manhattan Island, which is what most people think about when they think about New York. But Long Island is a much bigger island. And it's kind of, it depends on where you're sitting in Manhattan, but it's kind of to the south or the southeast of, of Manhattan Island. And like I said, it goes all the way out towards, you know, kind of along the southern edge of Connecticut. But any map will almost always have it. It's just this long, I don't know, depends on the map and the size, cigar-shaped looking thing that, that goes out. But in short, the kind of the western edge, the one that's closer to what people think about that aren't as familiar with New York, is where Brooklyn is. And the U.S. troops were kind of hanging out there in an area called Brooklyn Heights. And that was going to be their kind of defending point. Well, like I said, the British decided, nah, nah, not going to do this uh, kind of lobbing things at you from the ocean. We're going to get to shore. And they did. And also keep in mind that not everybody in the U.S. wanted to go to war. There are a lot of people that liked the British and helped the British throughout the war. So they had a lot of help. They landed. They had more people, right, because they had kind of surrounded this area with their own troops. And on August 27th, 1776, basically this battle would start. It's called the Battle of Long Island. Some people call it the Battle of Brooklyn Heights. You might hear some different names. But it, it, it didn't go well for the Continental Army. did not. Us colonials, not in good shape, right? Very, very kind of bad-looking thing. So they knew they were up against it, and this, this was not good, right? Very early after some early successes, and this could have just been devastating. And a regiment, I think they were from Maryland, sorry if I'm not getting my history right, but a, a group of about 400 men would hold off a flank of British soldiers long enough for the Americans to kind of retreat over the far side of this island. And it was yucky weather, apparently kind of a rainy, yucky day, right? But while the Americans had escaped, they were essentially trapped. They were trapped. But as night fell, the goal was to get as many of these men over to Manhattan, which is, like I said, where most people think of when they think of kind of New York City, or if you've seen a movie or that kind of stuff. And so they started transporting these men, and they were able to start moving them in a meaningful way. And there was really nothing the British could do at that point. Keep in mind, fighting a war at night was not going to really happen. Not, not a good thing. Uh, too many things could go wrong, right? Not a lot of people wearing infrared goggles out there. 
But sun was about to come up. And there was still an estimated 50% of the men still to move. Huge amount. So here had been an army. I think it was roughly about 10,000 people. About 1,000 had been lost that day between captures and deaths and whatnot. And there was real fear. What would happen? What would happen the next day? Well, another thing you don't do in battle, especially in that day and age, is fight it in a foggy situation if you can avoid it. Because it does lead to potentially disastrous outcomes. Now, it could work to your advantage. It could also work to your disadvantage. But the British were kind of in no hurry. You know, why, why risk it? They knew they had superior numbers. But what that fog that formed that morning did was provided cover. And like I said, if you've ever been in the thick fog, you can imagine that. Provided cover for the remaining American troops. Continental Army, it really wasn't. You know, the military by the way we know it today, to retreat over to Manhattan Island and get away. But the last person, last boat, I'm not going to say it's the last person, but the last boat would have George Washington on it. And he would make the retreat. Not too long after, the fog would rise. And the British were amazed because they were, everybody was gone. Now, I don't have the exact timeline. I've never had that. I, I couldn't find good record of it. Maybe, maybe it is out there, but it sounds like we're talking minutes. You know, we're not talking there was hours of buffer, but minutes. That was the difference between George Washington getting away and ultimately leading or being a key general in many of the battles, and ultimately, like I said, the first president of the United States, and being captured there, and certainly would have been hung immediately. And all that, because the air was kind of moist, there was some difference in the temperature. Now, I'm guessing that, you know, given time of year, the water was probably pretty warm, relatively speaking. And I don't I haven't, you know, seen enough of the weather maps of that day to know exactly what the profile was. But usually when you get these temperature differentials, maybe some cooler air had blown in. Or maybe just, you know, with the rain that had come in before, maybe it was a frontal boundary of some kind. Don't know. Haven't haven't dug into it to that depth. Because how it formed and why it formed really doesn't matter. The key thing is, and you know, there are different ways that fog can form. Some of it is very much about air being moved, right? Being pushed along and getting that condensation to form. Sometimes it's about it being really still and a lack of wind that allows a good fog to settle in. And it's that stillness that keeps the fog in place. And if you've ever seen a satellite image with fog burning off, it, it, it's this sort of this weird thing. It's just, you know, it's like it just sort of disappears over time. It doesn't move. You know, you got this thing that's just sort of sitting there, and it just sort of goes away. And so on this day, in 1776, the fog would lift. The British would go, huh. Not hearing much over there. Let's go check on things and be stunned to find nobody. Now, 
In the end, New York would fall. New York was ultimately lost to the British. However, Washington would get away. And Washington, as I said, would play key roles throughout the war and the early part of American history. So I'm pretty convinced that a little bit of non-wind and a little bit of moist air created a potent combination that would deliver a dense fog and change the history of what would become the United States of America. Now, if any of you history buffs really know more about this story and, and want to fill me in or have a good resource that you want me to share with the group, let me know. Let me know. Or if any of you have another thought about a history event that you want me to look into, feel free to let me know about those. What is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com slash contact? It's fun stuff. I enjoy doing it. And another thing that Jack had mentioned, actually, was maybe doing some smaller ones. And I talked about this a while back, maybe doing some segmented type shows and maybe do some smaller events that had a meaningful impact. And I can think quite a few of these. And he brought up one. It was kind of eerie. He brought up one about it, the big Galveston hurricane not two months before, you know, two months, even two weeks before Harvey would plow through Houston and southeast Texas this past year. So we may get to some of those. Just want to make sure that they're interesting enough to make everybody happy. But we'll find some. In the meantime, let me know your thoughts and your ideas. And as always, as always, keep an eye out. Look for how weather's impacting you and the events around you. Learn something. Enjoy something. Be entertained. Whatever it is, just look for that connection. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is your two white sofa production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.